Hello everyone, this is Hannah, your host, and you are listening to the Success is Routine podcast. Our show is on a mission to talk to leaders in life and business that have achieved success and to learn what their routine is. If you are ready to create your routine to success, you're in the right place. Now, let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Success is Routine podcast. I'm super excited to have Jackie Ferguson here with me. Jackie is the co-founder of the Diversity Movement, host of the Diversity Beyond the Checkbox podcast, and winner of the Inc. 200 Female Founders Award. So welcome to the show, Jackie. Hannah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited to dive into like your routine and all the things that you're doing, especially, you know, having this company that is all about diversity. I think it's so important. The first time, like, I hosted a conference at the beginning of 2021, mm-hmm. and I think that's the first time I'd ever like experienced the diversity question even because yeah. I was reaching out to potential speakers and one of them goes, well, what's a diversity look like before I'll agree to this? And I was yeah. like, I didn't know that. Like, and like, luckily I was kind of going into this looking for diversity because I didn't want it to be all one voice. I wanted it to be sure. a voice across. So luckily I had the answer, but right. it was kind of very interesting. So share more about what you do before we jump into your routine, just okay. so we can understand that some more. Yeah. So the diversity movement partners with organizations to provide culture centric solutions to ensure better people outcomes. So if you think about retention, productivity, morale, and then better business outcomes. So all of the things I just mentioned create more profitability for a business. And we were recently acquired by an organization called Workplace Options, which is a global employee well-being organization that services 81 million users around the globe. And they saw the value in integrating DEI into their employee offerings. And so we're very excited about that. And that's brand new for us. So awesome. My husband, I know, is part of the DEI in his company. And so it kind of, I feel like it's such a new term to me, but it's very interesting. And so that's very awesome. And I think it's really cool when like a company acquires a company, because that only means that like you're doing something so good that they want you. That's right. So even though they acquired you, are you still kind of like a separate entity or are you just like, under workplace. Absolutely. So right now we are the diversity movement, a workplace options company, right? So we rolled Mm -hmm. under their umbrella, but we're still in the integration process and figuring things out. So, you know, just getting acclimated to our counterparts at this larger organization, we're a small team of under 20 folks. And we got started Hannah in 2019. A couple of us were working for another organization, a marketing company in Raleigh, North Carolina. And what our CEO discovered with all of these missteps and just offensive things, sorry, campaigns that were that were occurring and that we could see, you know, in the media, said, you know, we're doing courses for professional development, we're doing courses for marketing. We should do a course for diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so I had a writing background. I said, I'll take on this big project, right? didn't realizing how big it was and how, you know, I knew a little bit, I'd worked in HR, I'd done some DEI with that. You know, I am diverse. I come from a very diverse family, multiracial, multi-generational, multi-regional even. So I'm like, I've got this, this is going to be great. And what I found out was how little I knew about DEI. So I had to learn while I was getting certified as a certified diversity executive and building this course 
and the course turned into the business. So we built this course, started selling this course, and then our customers were saying, okay, this is great. Thank you. But what's next? Mm-hmm. So we, we started with consulting services and then created lots of free content and products and solutions for customers. And that's what turned into the company. So it was meant to be a course. And now I was, you know, an acquired company. So we're excited about how quickly we were able to move during the time. Yeah. Yeah. That was really quick, like four years, you know, mm-hmm. 2019 to there. Right. And then So do you still work for the marketing company too? Or you kind of just completely left that? (laughs) No, a few of us that started the company through that organization broke away into its own company, but we're still very affiliated with that marketing organization, Walk West. And the CEO is still on the board of Walk West. So yeah, so still very connected there. And then like you mentioned, like just learning so much about DEI. What was one of those like big like ah ahas that... Maybe most people don't know about DEI. Yeah, there were so many. One for me was inclusive language. Mm -hmm. So there are words that you say that make people feel safe and feel seen and valued. And then there are words that are in our vocabulary and phrases that we've said since we were little that make people feel excluded and make them not feel safe. And Mm -hmm. so for for me, one of those words, you know, as as a Northeasterner, I'm from Dutchess County, New York. And so one of the words that we use all the time to address people is guys. Mm -hmm. And that's not an inclusive term, right? It's exclusionary to women, to people that are non-binary when you're just grouping everyone into one big lump of guys, right? Mm -hmm. And that was for me, such a hard word to work out of my vocabulary. You think it's very easy to change that to say everyone, Good morning, everyone, or hello, everyone, right? But you want to move away from binary language altogether so Mm -hmm. that people feel included. And I wrote a book called The Inclusive Language Handbook after I started researching that and saying, oh, I say quite a few of these things. (laughs) And there's so many terms that we've always used, Hannah, that are just not, they're not inclusive. And Mm -hmm. so even things like using uh, mental health language to describe everyday behaviors, like, oh, that person is so OCD because they're neat and organized, right? You don't want to say that. Or things like, you know, if I skip breakfast, I don't know how many times I've said I'm starving, right? But I'm not really starving. I just Mm -hmm. skipped breakfast. But for people who have been food insecure, that can be a trigger for them. So there, the book just tells a lot of different things that we say and what we should say instead, and then gives uh, good recommendations and backgrounds on the history of some of the language that we say that we don't realize is rooted in different things like slavery and oppression and things like that. And so we want to, knowing is, is half the battle and then practicing is the other half. Getting it right, we're not going to do that all the time, every time, and that's okay. But um, inclusive language was one of the things that really resonated with me in learning DEI, and and that's why I wrote that book. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check out your book because so I run a book club. It, it is a ladies-only book club, but constantly I'll start a sentence where I'm like, hey, guys, and I'm like, that's literally, right. so I like delete, and I'm like, because I'm also from Pennsylvania, so uh-huh. that same, like the Dutch and all that, and so I- now- now, Hannah, what part of Pennsylvania? Because in Pittsburgh, Yins yeah. is very yins. inclusive. Yes. So it is Yins. Um, you but can say I'm, Yins. That's inclusive. Now that I live in Texas, nobody knows what I'm saying. 
<laughs> I say Ian's all the time in person though. I, I, I love it. To, but now that I live in Texas, I switch it to y'all. And that's also inclusive. Yeah. So I'll yeah. switch. Hey guys, say, Hey y'all, what are y'all doing? That's perfect. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I, I will stop myself when I hear those words when I'm like, nobody I'm talking to is a guy. Why am I saying, Hey guys? Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, and even like, I'll stop myself when I'm like, Hey girls. Cause I'm like, no, that's like making them feel smaller than maybe they could be. And so I'll, mm-hmm. I'll like, you know, I, I always try to switch it. Cause I, like, I do self-recognize sometimes those words, but it's like, I never thought of them as like this whole thing. I thought it was just like my brain going, Oh, this probably mm-hmm. is right. <laughs> like, no, those, those are great just signals that you're having mm-hmm. Hannah. And, you know, and people don't realize that those small things can, you know, small to, you know, the majority group, but there's a minority group, depending on who you're talking to or mm-hmm. what you're saying that can really feel like be made smaller to feel mm-hmm. smaller or be made to feel like, wow, I'm included in this group. I'm included in this, this reference or this greeting. And so it can really make a difference one way or the other. Yeah. So I'll definitely yeah. have to check it out, but I know we're here to talk about your teens. So I'm like, I'll like take you down the rabbit hole. I, I need to like come to your podcast to just ask you questions is what I need to do. <laughs> um, but right before we jumped into the routine, do you think you had like a routine your whole life growing up? Was that something you had, you know, before you became the co-founder and before you got into the workforce? Is it something you grew up with maybe around your family? So I've had a a few different routines over my life. When I was in, I spent a good portion of my life, Hannah, in executive support for very hard charging executives. And so before being at the diversity movement, I would get up super early, check my phone first thing. And then that would determine what I had to do, like how bananas my day was going to be, right? Mm -hmm. Because my work depended on another executive. What I found was when I had my daughter, my routine had to change because what I would do is before that is get up super early, do all my stuff. And then my evening would be my own. Mm -hmm. And when I had my daughter, Diana, my evenings were not my own. <laughs> and so there was a lot to do with dinner and homework and spending time and doing hair and giving baths and all of that stuff had to be done. And so what I developed and she'll be 22 next week. So it was quite a long time ago, <laughs> but uh, got some of your time back. That's what I was That's saying. right. Yes, yes, yes. And that, I have, I have. But, you know, the thing about that routine was you hear so often that these like successful people with these routines are in the morning, you know, I get up at five o'clock and blah, blah, blah. My day now is, I just don't know. It's bananas Mm -hmm. all day. The evening is what I have control of. So sometimes I'm up working at six o'clock. Sometimes I can sleep until seven and I try to do it when I can. You know, sometimes I'm up writing at four o'clock in the morning because I lead content at the organization that I work with. And then, so it's my evenings that I'm in control of. The day is just, you know, sometimes it's a reasonable day, but most of the time it is back to back move to thing to thing to thing. And so the evening is where I have control. And for me, What's important is even now, Diana is in her senior year of college, 
But with my husband and I, and when my daughter is home, I try to cook dinner several nights a week. That's my time to wind down from the day because I'm here to here to here. And I don't want to take that pace into mm-hmm. my night. And so being able to cook dinner allows me to be a little bit creative, wind down, play some music, drink a glass of wine. And then I sit with my family and have dinner and try not to have the TV on, try not to have the phones, you know, in front of us and just interact. And Mm -hmm. that is my routine. And for me, it's important because that's what's important to me, my family. And so I think that your routine needs to involve the thing or things that you care most about. And for me, that's, that's my family. And so that's the thing that I do that helps with my, you know, when you think about self-care and, you know, well-being, that's the thing for me that keeps me balanced when I have those crazy days. So my routine is in the evening. And then I try to make sure that I'm getting enough sleep because I am not a fun person if I'm missing (laughs) sleep multiple days in a row. I'm the same. I can sleep for 10 hours straight and that like is good for me. I'm not one of those four hour sleepers. Um, I need it all. But I have two questions that kind of come to mind. One of them is you talked about how you used to work in the like your your routine used to kind of be in the morning more. Sure. And then you like had to switch it. So how hard was it to make that switch from morning to night? It wasn't too hard just because it started out of necessity. Okay. So for me, it was, I mean, it was an evolution because I was, I spent so much time still jumping up so early and and I'm still up early, but I'm working. Making that switch actually was good because it was what I cared most about. Mm -hmm. So it was like, I need to slow down. Now there have been times, Hannah, that it's been hard. I've got more work to do. I've got to get this thing done. And there was a period where I wasn't prioritizing that. Diana was in college. So I I was like, I don't have to make dinner for Diana. You know, my husband can kind of fend for himself. (laughs) Right. And I would, I was spending time as we were getting this business off the ground, working 70 hour plus weeks, Mm -hmm. which I don't recommend. Those are, you know, sometimes there are things we do by necessity when we're, we're doing big things or hard things, but it really took a toll on our relationship. We didn't spend enough time together because I was always working and he was also working same business. So we worked together, my husband and I. And so he was doing his thing, but it was really me that was spending my nights just like, I'm just not done. I've got three more hours of things to do. And I did that for, gosh, probably a year. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't good for me. I was exhausted. I was burnt out. It wasn't good for my relationship. So you have to find a routine for the thing that is most important to you, the things that bring you joy and happiness and peace. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was just that time with my family. And now we have this dedicated time that we do several times a week, Not, not every single night, but three to four times a week for sure at a minimum. And we just sit and we talk and we catch up and we ask each other questions and we make plans with each other and Mm -hmm. and things that are really important to me. But if you don't have a routine that works for you based on what you value, you'll find that things can get in the way. Mm -hmm. And then you're not spending time in those things. 
you're not as happy. You're not as at peace with yourself. You're not taking care of yourself. And mm -hmm. so that's one of the reasons why a routine for what's important to you is so important in general. Yeah. I love that you, you recognized it and were mm -hmm. able to, okay, we need to make that switch. The other kind of question, and now I have like another question, but I'm like doing yeah. really, working really hard to ask only one at a time. So, <laughs> is so how do you make that transition from I'm working to I'm not mm -hmm. because like it's really hard I think like I'm a yes. business owner too to just like get up and walk away and not be thinking oh that email the this the, that this oh my goodness I need to call this person so how do you make that like do you have something you do in between to kind of like reset that you know I'm going into my evening it is now my time to be with the people that are most important to me what does that look mm -hmm. like? Hannah, for me, that gets done at the beginning of the day. What are the things okay. that I have to accomplish? Mm -hmm. Right. So there's those couple of emails, as you mentioned, right, that came in right towards the end of the day. But do those have to be answered tonight or can those wait till the morning? Mm -hmm. And so knowing what needs to get done versus what's on that to-do list, right? The checklist. And, and so many of us love to get to the end of a checklist, right? I did all the things, but really you have to worry about the most important things, the most important things at work, and then the most important things for you as an individual. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those emails can wait. Sometimes, you know, that the end of that project can wait until tomorrow or the next day. And you have to just find a time where you're going to say, I'm cutting it off at this time today, and then do that. Mm-hmm. And then for me, it's the process of making dinner because I'm still, you know, the things are swirling around in my head, but, mm -hmm. you know, you can get into chopping those vegetables and stirring that sauce or whatever the thing is that you're doing. And that kind of winds me down that process. So by the time I'm sitting with my family, I'm now in fully into being present with them and, and hearing them. Oh, that. And then, so I know you said your husband works with you. Yes. So I'm just curious, do you have some kind of routine that makes it so that you're working well together? Because I know that's a, you know, it's a big thing whenever spouses are working together. Mm -hmm. So is there something y'all do where it's not like, Jackie, you're supposed to be doing this or, hey, why didn't you do this yet? To kind of yeah. step that. Now, one of the things that has been important to us and, and one of the things we got wrong early on is we would let work bleed over into our personal. So mm -hmm. I, I felt sometimes like I was always at work because he's the CEO. So I'm like, am I in a meeting or am I having dinner with my husband? <laughs> and so one of the things that we do, because, you know, it just does, like we'll talk about work after the work hours. But one of the things that's important is we trust each other to do our jobs. Mm -hmm. So he's not a micromanager. We check in with each other on things, but we can also, if it's not work hours and it's not our scheduled meetings, we have a scheduled meeting. We mm -hmm. can say, you know what? I clocked out. I can't, I don't want to talk about this right now. And mm -hmm. that has to be okay with the other one yeah. because sometimes we need that separation mm -hmm. from, you know, work. We can't work all the time. And he, throughout his career, he's run multiple businesses over his career very successfully. So he's, this is his fourth exit. And so okay. he has worked and worked and worked like he is always working his brain is always moving thinking about business and mm -hmm. so I had to just be like listen I clocked out I gotta mm -hmm. I want to talk about a trip I want to talk about 
the kids. I want to talk about a joke you heard, but I do not want to talk about business tonight. And he got to the point where he was like, you know what? It makes total sense. Cut it off and change. And so having that delineation has been very helpful. And again, that's something that a lot of couples, including us, got wrong at first because it was just bleeding over into everything. But having that clear separation has been valuable. Yeah, no, I love that. And so you mentioned like, you know, going into the routine at night, it's kind of making that dinner. Is there any other pieces maybe at the end of the day that are like setting up the next day that you kind of have in that routine? Or is it really just spending that time with family? Great question. So I I spend my time with my family. And then, as I said, I make sure that I get enough sleep. That's important. Mm -hmm. So at about 10 o'clock, I start winding it down. You know, my routine is, you know, double wash my face you know I'm, I'm turning 50 in a couple months so I'm like you don't keep, look like it keep, I'll <laughs> thank you Hannah. Your, thank your daughter you. was a senior in high school in college I was like what I got that it was like a, maybe like a toddler like in elementary school <laughs> thank you Hannah I appreciate yeah. that no I'll be 50 in two months and so like washing my face and like my skincare routine and just putting on some pajamas that I like and going through that whole process helps me wind down for the night. And then the piece in the morning is I try to get up a little earlier than when I need to jump in the shower, get started with my meetings or commute to work. So then I'm like, okay, what are the three or four things that have to get done today? And that's my commitment. After that, everything else can wait if it needs to. Yeah. And so jumping from our routine to success, And so how do you define success? Success to me is love, having love in your life, peace, joy, freedom. And that Mm -hmm. has a monetary piece to it, right? Freedom is money buys you freedom and flexibility. And then self-acceptance, which is not like, okay, I accept myself the way I am, but I love myself. I like the person that I am. You know, I don't let people take advantage of me. And then health. So some people define success as attaining a certain thing in business. To me, mm-hmm. it's a it's a state of personal well-being because that is the consistent thing. You know, some people are happy at different points in their life with different levels of success, but those are the things that create that that personal well-being that I think really define success. And the older I get, Hannah, that's the thing that I'm discovering has more and more value Mm -hmm. and doesn't change. You know, what I think success was at 25, I've already surpassed that and I have new goals now. Mm -hmm. But ultimately what's important is that love and peace and joy and freedom that I think is important for every person. Yeah. And your routine, it like, how does it have an impact on your success? Mm -hmm. So my routine is based on those things, Mm -hmm. right? So if I think about love and, you know, my relationship with my husband and my daughter are the most important things in my life. And I couldn't define myself as successful, you know, outwardly, the things that I've accomplished and and the awards and the book. And, you know, a person would say, okay, she's successful. But if I mess up my relationships, right, that's not success to me. And so knowing that I'm spending real time with them, 
engaged with them is the most important thing. And that's those relationships are my true success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love how you said engaged right there, just because I feel like so many people, we spend time together, but mm-hmm. we're not spending time where we're actually together. And so yes. I love that you've created that you have that. So I have two questions. One of them is somebody listening to this right now that just doesn't have a routine is doesn't have that like they're not feeling that like fulfillment what is that one thing they need to start doing tomorrow to kind of create that routine in their life I would say really spend time evaluating what you value Mm -hmm. what you value most and determine if you're spending enough time cultivating that thing Mm -hmm. so whether that be you know a health thing or a family thing, or a new business, right? For entrepreneurs, what is it that you value most? And then spend time cultivating that and making intentional time for that because then it's easier, right? Hannah, I exercise right out of necessity. I I love doing Pilates. I hate doing any type of cardio. You know what I mean? But Mm -hmm. I do it because I have to, I don't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So the thing that I would say is, what are you excited about? What do you value? And that's the routine that's actually easier to create than the ones that you do <laughs> out of necessity. <laughs> and I, I really love that like first step because I feel like, you know, you could have told them to get up early. You could have told them to do so many things, but it was really, hey, figure out what you value most. Mm-hmm. And find it like, because yes. if you can find what you value most, you're going to be able to create some kind of routine around it. That's right. And like focus on it because you want it. So I love that. Exactly. My second question is if I know reading is very important, whether it's self-development, things like that, but also it could be listening to a podcast, reading articles. What is that one book or thing you'd recommend somebody to read or listen to? Mm. I have read quite a few books in my life and I was an English major. So I've read a lot of books. (laughs) And you're a writer. So it does make sense. (laughs) The book that I would say has resonated the most with me. That's also an easy read, which is helpful is a book by Robert Greene called the concise laws of human nature. And as a matter of fact, I have it Hannah on my desk. Mm -hmm. I reference this book all the time. It's the concise laws of human nature. And so Robert Greene talks about just how people are, how they think, how they respond. And we all think that people think like us or should respond like us or, you know, but they don't. And Mm -hmm. so how do you understand that better and then utilize that to get what you need from them in business, personally with relationships? It's an easy read, which is, which is great because some books are, very helpful, but they're hard to get through. This one is not. And it really opens your eyes on, on how people respond because I don't know about you, Hannah, but I'm always like, why would they do that? Why would they say that? Why do they think like that? Mm -hmm. And it's helpful in just getting through that and then understanding, okay, what do I need to do to get what I need from this person, whether in business or in personal relationships? No, no, I have to look at it just because mm-hmm. I feel like if I was handed a book that said concise law of human behavior, I'd be like, that is not easy to read. And I probably, right. I would struggle to like open <laughs> it even just because right. I'm like a law book. You know? Right, exactly. Um, so I love that you're sharing that. It is an easy read because I think 
many of us, especially like you say something, you're like, oh crap, did I say it wrong? Mm-hmm. Like, and so understanding how are the people perceiving different things too, I think would be really interesting and valuable for anybody that works with people because that's what we need. Absolutely. And ultimately, Hannah, to be a leader, right? If you're aspiring to be an entrepreneur or to get ahead in business, your ability to interact well and lead people is invaluable, mm-hmm. right? Everybody gets promoted to those positions because they're good at their job. But what differentiates the good from the great leaders is their ability to interact with people. So I love that you said that. That's exactly right. Awesome. All right. So anybody that's listening that's like, hey, I need help with my DEI or anything that you do, how do they connect with you? Yes. Um, Yeah. You you can find me at thediversitymovement.com. Love to connect there. You can also follow my podcast at beyondthecheckbox.com. And then you can get my book at inclusivelanguagehandbook.com. And we'll make sure that all of these are in our show notes so if you're listening to this and you're like okay how is that spelled (laughs) because I'm a terrible speller don't worry (laughs) we're writing it for you below and one of my copywriters is writing it since I'm a terrible speller (laughs) it'll be correct (laughs) and then I just have to ask you said your birthday's in two months and you know it's a big milestone are you doing any celebrations Hannah I'm celebrating all year next year (laughs) okay (laughs) so yes I'm taking a girl's trip for my actual birthday with some amazing friends and my daughter And then my daughter's graduating next year and I'm still celebrating my 50th. So we're going to Italy for two weeks. I've never been, and it's been on my list for since I was her age. So then there's that. And yeah, so I, I plan to celebrate all year long. (laughs) I love that. I was thinking how your daughter's graduating and it's your birthday. I was like, it's like a year of celebrations. There's so many things too. That's right. And 24 is my favorite number. So it's an amazing year, 2024. Oh. So <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Jackie, and sharing so much information. Hannah, thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun. Thank you for listening to Success is Routine podcast. If you found value in this episode, share it with a friend. Episodes go live weekly on Sunday at 8 a.m. Start your week with the right routine. Like, follow, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you're listening. Join the Success is Routine movement and get exclusive downloads and content from the guests. Go to www.successisroutine.com and follow the conversation there or on social media. Until next time, remember, I think that your routine needs to involve the thing or things that you care most about. And for me, that's my family. And so that's the thing that I do that helps with my, you know, when you think about self-care and, you know, well-being, that's the thing for me that keeps me balanced when I have those crazy days. So my routine is in the evening and then I try to make sure that I'm getting enough sleep. Success to me is having love in your life, peace, joy freedom and that has a monetary piece to it right money buys you freedom and flexibility and then self-acceptance and then health knowing that i'm spending real time with them engaged with them is the most important thing those relationships are my true success